Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, what's the podcast? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 229 of the Sportsiac Podcast. The Nomar Garciapara episode? I've heard that name before. Nomar, he was wicked good when he played for the Red Sox for nine years. Came to the Cubs for a couple of years, then went to the Dodgers, had some productive years there, finished up at Oakland. Married to Mia Hamm, the U.S. women's soccer star of the early 2000s. Noma hit 229 home runs in his big league career, and so it's the Nomar Garcia Parra episode number 229. Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports, and who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Let's go inside the mind of Chuck Freebie. You are just a couple of days away from your first televised high school football game. Yes. How are you feeling? What are your thoughts? Well, there's a lot to get done yet, and there's a lot of planning for the season and wondering if we are going to have a full season as you see all kinds of reports filtering in. In case you missed it Friday, the Michigan High School Athletic Association canceled fall football and moved it to the spring. This was not warmly received by the Michigan High School Football Coaches Association, nor many of the players. Um, there's a, there's a lot of consternation up in Michigan as to why this decision was made by the MHSA after practices had already started for the fall. And a lot of people, I, and I can't say I have any evidence to back, back this up. I will just tell you that a lot of people in that coaches association believe that governor Whitmer is behind that decision. Now, the decision came from Mark Ewell, who is the head of the MHSAA, and he said, you know, despite their best efforts to put a fall football season forward, they felt it was in the best interest of the players to move it to the spring because of concerns over the spread of COVID. 
there are now 16 states and or districts, because District of Columbia is included in this, who have moved football to the spring. Fortunately, Indiana is not one of those. So we persevere and we get ready for LaVille and Bremen on Friday night. I saw a tweet over the weekend that I thought makes a little bit of sense. Have senior night at the first game to get it out of the way. A lot of schools are doing that. And make sure that that actually happens. Yep, A lot of schools are doing that. Uh, Northwood's athletic director had a, uh, I wouldn't call it a press conference because there wasn't press invited. He went on Facebook yesterday and basically addressed the fans and parents and the people associated with Northwood Athletics and kind of laid out what the procedures would be. If you're not from uh, the listening area where we originate from, Northwood is a big high school in Napanee, Indiana. Yeah, it's uh, it's a 4A. We have six classes in Indiana. They're a 4A school. So he talked about uh, the fact that they would be allowed 25% capacity for outdoor events, which means that they will have uh, 930 fans at their football games. And 699 of those will be on the home team side. So the visiting team will get 231. Uh, They are doing virtual ticketing this year so that no tickets go in one hand and into another and possible exchange. So it's all virtual ticketing this year. Uh, Parents will have first dibs on those tickets and things like that. But they're in Elkhart County, and the big news that really came out of this address was that The Elkhart County Athletic Directors had finally convinced the health department that their teams were going to be at a huge competitive disadvantage unless they were allowed to start actual practicing and not just conditioning workouts uh, this week. So tackling, blocking drills will be allowed for Elkhart County High School football teams this week. And they have to follow the CDC guidelines, which is what all the other teams are doing, too, around the area. So what you'll see is you can basically do a drill for about 15 minutes. And within 15 minutes, you have to stop the drill and disperse the groups. The CDC guidelines say you are not allowed to be within six feet of the same person for more than 15 minutes. Now, obviously, family members excluded in that, but mm-hmm. if you're talking about a team practicing, those are the rules. Here are some other off the top of your head things that will seem different on Friday night's broadcast. I believe halftime shorter. Halftime shorter. My guess is the ball will probably be wiped down after every play. I thought I read that the ball goes with whoever has the ball to their huddle every yes. time. Yes. And the teams do not go in the locker room at halftime. No. So they're meeting somewhere. Probably at separate end zones. the end zones. Does that leave time for a band or have they axed Bands will be, my understanding is the bands will be performing in the stands. Okay. So if you have your band there, they will be in the stands doing their thing. Taking up a lot of space at six feet apart. And uh, with only a 10-minute show. The hits. Yeah. It's the hits, two no or three deep cuts, two or three songs, <laughs> and thanks for playing. Yeah, so it, it's it's going to be a completely different atmosphere than what we're used to. 
but the fact of the matter is the kids get to go compete, they get to go play, and in my mind, that's a good thing. I know there are separate mindsets on that, as there are on just about everything in this country right now. I was at the mall yesterday. I was telling Chuck they were having a sale on Big Ten baseball hats. They weren't moving too fast. Well, now will there be Big Ten football or not? Right now, the answer is no. However, Justin Fields, who is a quarterback at Ohio State and a big name in the conference, perhaps one of the biggest in the conference, started a petition yesterday asking people to petition the Big Ten to reinstate football for this fall. And he got 200,000 signatures on this online petition in one day. It will also be curious to see if over the weekend, and it got some play, I saw it on the Today Show this morning, uh, there was a new saliva test passed by the FDA. Now, this is what they had been using in the NBA bubble. Uh, There are some schools. I know Purdue University used this for students coming to campus because my son participated in this. It is, instead of having the swab stuck up into your brain through your nose, and I, I don't know how many of you have had COVID tests. I had one, and it's not a comfortable experience when they do that. Um, instead of that, you you spit into a tube, and then they can read the results of that tube fairly quickly. Now, I realize there have been rapid tests around, but the rapid tests have been somewhat criticized because of their accuracy. This saliva test now seems to have the same accuracy as a normal swab test does and certainly less invasive, much more rapid on the results. In fact, I read somewhere over the weekend where, for instance, if you if you were on the Notre Dame campus and you were a student who wanted to go to the football game that day, if you had this test done in the morning, they could know by game time whether you could go to the game or not. So, and apparently, uh, not only can they do them rapidly, they can do them in large amounts. Okay. So we'll see if that changes the way things are viewed in the Big Ten. If you were a betting man? I would say no. I would say the Big Ten is going to hold to its guns and uh, stick with it. Now, the fact of the matter is... The Big Ten and the Pac-12, having already announced that they're switching to the spring, you would have a hard time convincing me, Corey, that they don't want to sabotage the seasons of the SEC, the Big 12, and the ACC. They have a vested interest in trying to make sure that those teams don't play this fall. And I think you're already seeing a subtle PR, or not-so-subtle PR campaign from those two conferences Anytime they talk to one of their coaches or one of their administrators, they are quick to criticize the other three conferences for playing. Now, one of the things that came up and one of the reasons that both the Pac-12 and Big Ten cited was this fear of something called myocarditis. Myocarditis is a heart condition that is apparently triggered by COVID-19. It is something that a player named Brody Feeney at IU contracted when he contracted COVID. And it is a concerning heart disease. 
I read an article from The Athletic. Uh, they interviewed the SEC medical director. And she said, we're well aware of myocarditis, but myocarditis is not just triggered by COVID. It really can be triggered by any virus or bacterial infection. So when you get the flu, when you get any of those, common cold even, can trigger myocarditis, especially in young people. So the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 said, yeah, we're aware that this is a problem and we're willing to test for it for players, but we don't think this is something worth stopping for. So it's this constant tug of war that goes on over COVID in society that continues here in college football. But for the time being, it looks like 76 teams will play college football this year. When we were growing up, it seems like any time the mention of the Indy 500 came up, the name Andretti was somewhere in that mm-hmm. sentence as well. I found it kind of exciting to hear another Andretti name. I find it exciting. I find it exciting the speed they're going at, too. They're going at the fastest speeds they've gone at in the Speedway in 25 years. I know they're allowing some different parameters with the engines, and hopefully this doesn't cause something fatal to happen because you know if it does, they're going to point the finger at these increased speeds. But this this takes me back to when I was much younger as well. But, yes, Marco Andretti at 231.087 miles an hour has the pole for Sunday's Indianapolis 500, as you mentioned. Uh, Mario Andretti winning the Indy 500 in 1969 and then the quote-unquote Andretti curse that has gone on since then where you've got Michael who won the pole and Jeff and a family that just has not been able to win at Indianapolis despite having some great cars and uh, doing very well but never getting the checkered flag. So now Marco has his turn atop the pole. Very uh, very accomplished front row. You've got Marco Andretti along with Scott Dixon, former Indy 500 winner, and Takuma Sato. And really the first three rows are filled with recognizable names, guys like Ryan hunter Ray and Graham Rahal. So I think it's going to be an exciting Indy 500, despite the fact that there won't be any fans in the stands. That's certainly going to take away from the greatest spectacle in racing. But as far as the racing itself, should be a whole lot of fun. My dad took me to the time trials when I was a young lad. That was fun. That's some fast moving cars right there. Oh man, you you look at these speeds in the race. The the back row, the slowest car in the race is a guy named Ben Hanley at two hundred twenty two point nine one seven miles an hour, and he's the slowpoke. That's what you got the SUVAN up to on the way home from Lafayette yeah, this weekend, wasn't not, it? Not quite. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> All right. So Indianapolis should be fun. I was happy for Ryan Newman over the weekend. He got a chance to return to Daytona. Of course, that horrific accident back in February that seemed to almost take his life, and he had a chance to go back there get behind the wheel. He thanked the safety crews who helped save his life back in February. And unfortunately for Ryan, he hasn't been highly competitive since he has returned. And 
I don't follow the sport closely enough to know if that's him backing off the pedal a little bit or if that's just the the group that he's with doesn't have the uh, the speed in the engine this year to compete. So he was 19th yesterday, and uh, Chase Elliott got the win. It was a road course down in Daytona. Chase Elliott is one of NASCAR's better drivers on the road courses. That was his third straight win on a road course. But just good for Ryan to be able to go back to that facility and compete. If you like some healthy competition, hockey is delivering the goods. Corey Crawford was absolutely incredible last night. 48 saves as the Blackhawks keep their season alive with a 3-1 win over Vegas. I have no doubt that Vegas wins the series. I don't see any way the Hawks beat Vegas four straight games to reclaim this series, but at least they didn't get swept. At least there's one more night for Blackhawk fans to watch. Uh, you hate to go out for zip and be non-competitive. And actually, I think the Hawks have been very competitive in this series. They've had their chances and just haven't been able to convert them. To me, game two was the pivotal game in the series when they lost in overtime. And that was the game that triggered my expression last week. You can't score if you don't shoot the puck. Well, the Hawks, I think, were much more aggressive last night and took advantage of opportunities so they win it 3-1, but Crawford's story is amazing. Corey, he was out with an injury for a while. Then he contracted COVID and had to fight that off. And they weren't really sure until the first game in the bubble whether he was going to be able to play or not. But, boy, he has played, and he has played well for the Blackhawks during not only their series, first of all, with Edmonton, but now this one with Vegas. In man family history, uh, I was at a Cubs game in 2007 on this day. Cubs won. Mm. And last year on this day, I was at the Cubs-Nationals game with my family. Cubs lost that game. Well, that doesn't make me feel any better about what's going on with the Cubs right now. They have lost three straight, all three of them one-run games to Milwaukee, all three of them in which they held leads. The last two, they had three run leads at one point and still couldn't win. And this is really the first that we've seen the Cubs starting pitching falter on a consistent basis. Uh, They started a kid named Colin Ray on Saturday, and one of the reasons they did that was an injury to Tyler Chatwood that has landed Chatwood on the 10-day injured list. So Ray came in, and he pitched okay, and the Cubs had their chances to win the game and lost in extra innings to the Brewers on Saturday, 6-5. Yesterday, John Lester gave up a couple of big home runs. Cubs battled back, and it was a 5-5 game. And my goodness, the Cubs had opportunities in this game. But you got to be able to put the ball in play. And the Cubs had 16 strikeouts yesterday. And it wasn't necessarily against flamethrowers. They're up there flailing at breaking balls and at some point, and and Len Casper said, well, this is baseball in 2020. It's, you know, feast or famine. You either hit home runs or strike out. But at some point, the value of making contact has to come into play. And the Cubs didn't do a very good job of that over the weekend. They paid a price. Are we at the halfway point yet? No, not yet. Close? Uh, might be after this series with the Cardinals, since they're going to play five games in the next three days. 
a doubleheader with the Cardinals today, single game tomorrow night, and then a doubleheader on Wednesday as well. So this is really going to tax the pitching staffs. You can understand a little bit why Major League Baseball moved to seven innings, but again, I think you and I agree on this, that why should everybody else have to pay a price for the Cardinals' misdeeds? Now, over the weekend, the Reds had a case of corona that caused them to miss their series with the Pirates. Uh, The reports I'm seeing today is the Reds have now had two consecutive days of negative tests. So the good news there is they should be able to resume their schedule and have not heard how the Reds contracted their coronavirus. Of course, the Cardinals, it was widely reported that it was a trip to the casino by many of the boys that wound up spreading the virus. And this happened again, right? Right before a game between the Cardinals and the Cubs, postponed because of whatever. That could happen sometime today, or they playing pretty early. Uh, they play at 5.15 Eastern time. So, mm. But the, the Cardinals having been cleared yeah. to play the White Sox over the weekend, uh, and the fact that they're staying in the same hotel for both the White Sox and the Cubs, you would think that the lesson has been learned. You would think. Let's talk about that Cardinals-White Sox series a little bit. Cardinals play their first action in over two weeks on Saturday and sweep a doubleheader from the White Sox. But then yesterday, the Cards are playing the White Sox at guaranteed U.S. Cellular Comiscular Field, whatever they're calling it this week. Comiscular? Comiscular. Uh, and they bring in a 25-year-old reliever named Roel Ramirez, who is making his Major League debut. Double R. And Roel strikes out the first batter he faces, Luis Robert, and then uh, gives up a couple of base hits. There's a caught stealing in there as well. And up to the plate strides Joan Mancata, and Mancata hits a three-run homer. Well, that'll happen. The kid's making his Major League debut, probably a little nervous. They leave him in there, and he faces Yasmani Grandal. Boom, there goes another one. Jose Abreu follows. Boom, there goes another one. Eloy Jimenez follows. Boom, there goes another one. Four straight homers by the White Sox. It's the second time in Sox history that that has happened. It is the first time that four consecutive homers were hit by four four players born in Cuba. And then Ramirez was taken out of the game, and the kid they brought in, Seth Elledge, struck out the next batter on three pitches, which I'm sure made Roel Ramirez feel even worse. How many pitches did he actually get in? I'm not not sure how many pitches he threw, but uh, (laughs) his Major League debut will always be remembered fondly on the south side of Chicago. Let's put it that way. So the White Sox win by a count of 7-2 to yesterday as they continue to to battle for position in what has become a very competitive American League Central. The good news in the American League Central, if you're a Cleveland fan, is you get to play the Detroit Tigers because the Cleveland Indians have complete ownership of the Detroit Tigers right now. Yesterday, the Indians won for the 20th straight time against the Tigers, beating them by a count of 8-5. to I'm sorry, but in Major League Baseball, I can't think of any team dominating another team more than that. And the victory by the Indians put them within one game of first place Minnesota in the AL Central. 
Uh, right now, the White Sox are 11-11. and They sit in third, and the Tigers a half game behind the White Sox at 9-10. and Let's talk about a few familiar names in the South Bend area from just a couple of years ago. Well, Notre Dame was well represented on the WNBA stage, what they call the Wubble, as opposed to the Bubble for the WNBA. Uh, Arike Agumbawale had herself a game yesterday for the Dallas Wings. She hit six out of seven from three-point range, scored 33 points. Her teammate, Marina Mabry, uh, scores 17. That's a career high for her. It was Marina, right? Or was it Michaela? Marina. Uh, Marina Mabry, yeah. I'm trying to keep the Mabry sisters straight these Which days. Which Mabry is, coaches here now? Uh, Michaela. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dara is going to play. That Therein lies my confusion. But Marina made her first start for the Dallas Wings. She scored a career-high 17, so those two combined for 50, offsetting the 20 scored by Skylar Diggins-Smith on the other side, and Dallas gets the win over Phoenix last night. But, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Holly Rowe from ESPN is the sideline reporter inside the bubble, and she did a little um, – she did her – post-game television stuff, but then she got Arike and Marina with her and did something on her phone after the game, showing both of them and saying, this reminds me of Notre Dame, Tennessee just a couple of years ago because those two had big games in that one as well. So good for them, and uh, Dallas has been struggling this year in the WNBA, as has Phoenix, so I'm not sure either one of those teams is going to make the playoffs, but the, the Notre Dame contribution has been huge in the WNBA, as you might expect. Unless you got anything else up your sleeve, that's your final story. I think that's it. You feel good? I do feel good about it. I know that it's a little bit of a shorter episode of Sports Jack today, but um, we will see what developments happen within the next 48 hours. We're expecting a Brian Kelly press conference this afternoon. That could give us something to talk about on Wednesday. And you never know what's going to happen with the Indiana high school scene. I can tell you two big schools in terms of the – their uh, tradition are going to be sitting on the sidelines for week one. New Palestine um, has pulled the plug on its week one game because of COVID concerns. And just this morning, Lafayette Central Catholic has pulled the plug on its first two games of the year. So those are two schools that have quite the history in IHSA football that aren't going to be playing here in weeks one and two. We'll see how things come together as more and more kids go back to school. Sports Yak's on Twitter at Sports Yak. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You're on the Twitter, right? At 46 Sports. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga no Marcosia para. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. The Sports Yak Podcast with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit the archives for previous coach and athlete interviews. Part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Oh, good, oh, good.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.